Hello and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we're reviewing 2018. Yes, we are. We are not reviewing one movie. We're we're reviewing all movies. Yes, and more exciting. We have just fit, kind of. This is kind of our six month. We've been doing this for six months yet. Yeah. Uh. Well, it's hard for me to judge because. We sat on The Incredibles for a while before we actually got to release it. That's true. Well, we actually, so about a year ago now, we talked, started talking about this podcast and finally got it together, and now we're doing our first year in review here at the uh, Date Night at the Movies team. Um, it's actually, I mean, for us, it's actually a pretty big deal. I'd hope that at least for a couple of you guys, you're like, oh, wow, let's go back and let's revisit this awesome year we've had together. And for everybody else, it's just another automatic download on your phones. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, we are coming to you right now. We're, we are coming to you from the past. You're listening to us from the future. This is New Year's Day 2019. Yes. Uh, we'll be putting this out in a couple of weeks because some of the movies we're talking about here, uh, you s- as of today, nobody's heard those episodes yet. And, well, uh, wow, I would, I, I would just hate for somebody to miss our review of Holmes and Watson because they think they got the whole story here. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and also we have, um, by the time that you're hearing this, you will also have gotten the interview with Daniel Evans, who was mm-hmm. part of the editorial department of Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Yeah. So we certainly don't want to delay that because I think Holmes and Watson, I think it's a really funny episode of how much we disdain the movie. I mean, there was a part of me where I was almost like, let's not even do an episode on this because it was that bad. No, we have to. Well, Right, good, and we're here. We we you and I have said for better or for worse, and because we're married, the audience is in on it. So we not only made a vow to ourselves, we made a <laughs> vow to Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. <laughs> I guess so. Um, wow. Okay. So um, our general housekeeping dog of the episode is Charlie. Now, so just to let you guys know, yeah. our neighbors still have leftover fireworks from New Year's Eve. Yeah. Charlie's freaked out. Madison thinks it's Vietnam, so there may be more interruptions than normal yes. on this one. And we do have to say we apologize, but there's a very scared bear underneath the desk right now. There um, have been, you know, there have been times where I've had to get under the desk with them. Like they've, oh, I know. They've interrupted my work, and I have to get under the desk and hang out there with them. Well, we, when we lived in North Hollywood... Um, also because of the drought fireworks were terrifying because we actually had like our roof kind of catch on fire once yep and uh and the police and fire department completely ignore you and you're like um there's fireworks and yes it's illegal here uh in atlanta um where our main studio is now it's not as scary and i will admit the having rain and not having like what feels like a thatched roof yeah um, and not a flat roof that just holds things that you can't quite get off. Yeah. Is a lot better, but we do have very scared creatures. Um, so happy new year. Yay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, um, and our drink of the podcast. Yes. Drink of the podcast. Inspired by what we'll talk about in this episode is we finally saw Mandy. Yes. Now there is a reason you're not getting a full Mandy episode <laughs> on this. Now, again, I was really excited for it. Uh, you know, we'll talk about our feelings on it uh, after the commercial break. Yes, and we're, we literally 
Just, just saw yeah, it. we literally just watched it. Now we're not going to do a full in-depth review on it though because this movie is a so crazy and b so visual. There will be a couple of visual things that we'll be able to talk about, but for the most part, you just have to experience it. It's not a movie that you can easily review. I think we would have had an easier time reviewing Annihilation on this podcast. I agree, and we also if we if we ever start our YouTube channel, this like uh, this is when we talk about Mandy. Yeah. Like but just via hearing it. So we'll talk about it with you with you all. But our drink of the podcast is a glass of vodka. Yeah, just straight vodka. Straight vodka. Yeah. Because Nick Cage does some miraculous things with some vodka. Nick and Cage has goes a, he goes full Nick Cage on a bottle of vodka. <laughs> he goes full <laughs> while he's Nick Caging. Yes. It's madness. Yes. Should we at least give a star review of Mandy before we go into it? Sure. Um, I think we should rate it in battle axes. I I was actually thinking the same thing. No way. Believe it or not. What? Um, I'm going to give it four battle axes. I'm going to give it four, too. I actually expected yours to be a little less. No, it's it's just a... It's just a batch of crazy movie. <laughs> Thanks. Now I have to edit that I'm out. sorry. There's just no other word for it. Okay. So basically with Mandy, it is one of the craziest movies I've seen in a long time. And I'm pretty sure I got an, I got a contact high from watching this movie. Uh, visually it's, it's flawless, especially having done, it's a $6 million budget. Oh, I was so close. Yeah. So you guessed five, but, um, this is a movie that knows how crazy it is, leans into how crazy it is, accepts how crazy it is, and invites you to go on this journey with it. It is a fully realized vision. And I agree. Yeah. So, more on Mandy later. Yeah, but yeah, so we're actually going to try and be a little more organized with this episode. Do, 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 do. So we're going to try and not have a two and a half hour long episode like you did with Halloween, because for some reason you guys aren't downloading that one as much as everybody else. <laughs> I will say though, our Halloween... Uh, it's still one of my favorite ones we did. I agree. And the reason that the Halloween one was so long is we do watch Halloween and scary movies all year round. Mm-hmm. And we do, like we have the Shutter. Um, we have the Shutter channel. Yeah. So, and I mean, you're watching, what documentary are you watching um, right now? I just finished Crystal Lake Memories, the eight hour long Friday yes. 13th. And now I'm watching uh, Never Sleep Again, which is done by the same people for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And what was the TV show that we watched on Shutter? Uh, channel Zero. Channel Zero. That was crazy. Yeah. It, it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, but it was pretty good. Yeah. But the Tooth Monster. Tooth Monster was scary. So I don't do teeth. For mm-hmm. anyone who knows me, I will... I will literally pick your bleeding body off the ground. I will give you shots. I will draw your blood. I will not take care of your teeth. (laughs) And so there's this tooth monster in Channel Zero, and the noise it makes keeps me up at night. So I will give it that. Yeah. So, so, indeed, we're trying to be more organized, and are we ready to just dive into this year into review? Ooh, we have a second so. dog of the podcast. Yeah, Madison just joined us. She's very barky, everyone. Again, like Jordan said, she thinks it's Vietnam because of fireworks, but we'll try to keep we'll keep the beast calm. Yeah, and if you hear microphone bumps, that's just the dogs. Like I said, I'm not. we're not going to worry about that too much this episode, because there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah, this week is bonkers crazy for us it really is and we're really um we've also been really focused on you on you all so um 
We, we did have a non-movie date the other night. We did. Yeah, because we realized after a while, it's like, okay, we're we're slowly just veering into the purely business partner uh, aspect of our relationship. We need to do something different. Yes, so we went to dinner, and a huge uh, shout-out to our roommate and dear friend and my little sister, Janelle. Um, she gave us a gift card, and we had... A really bomb diggity dinner. Yes, we and did. It was so fun. And then we got back and we just got a craving for pizza. So we had pizza afterwards too. Yeah. Well, we were out for a few hours too. So it yeah. was really fun. We had a really good evening. Um, let's dive. Okay. So the first thing. Dive, dive, dive. The first thing that we are going to do is we're going to uh, go through our episodes we've done this year and kind of give a brief. A uh, recap of our feelings on them. If we feel like our, I wish we had our star ratings, uh, like in front of us. Yeah, and that's probably something that we oh, should have done. So we should have. Should should we just do that real quick? Nah. All right. Um, here's what we'll say. Everything for the rest of this podcast is going to be rated in stars. Yes. So it's out of five stars. So usually we try to be really kooky and have a lot of fun. Um, but for the rest of this episode, everything will be rated in generalized stars um we are channeling our inner siskel and ebert yes we're basically doing uh for this segment uh kind of what i'm always on jessica about how she'll like a movie and then sit with it and be like no i actually hate it and it just makes it so frustrating to talk to her about some movies avengers uh so we're doing that so if you want if you want to be super fans and go back and compare and contrast we usually do our star rating within the first 15 minutes of each episode so uh if you truly desire um i mean movies do sit with you and and some movies i don't go backwards on when you have like a really fond memory so i'm excited to kind of go back through all of these and see how we feel well let's get started okay first one incredibles 2 i mean i'm my gut says Four, four and a quarter. I think mine went down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a, because because we saw Into the Spider-Verse, and that one stuck with me more than The Incredibles 2 did. I can see that. Um, also, because the first Incredibles, like, if we still had TV, if I were flipping through and that were on, I will stop and watch that at any time. Incredibles 2, I do want to see again, but I... I don't have the gravitational pull towards it that I do on yeah. the first one. I will say I can't compare Incredibles to what Sony did with Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. Just like we talked with Dan about is Pixar, they have this making it realistic. So I feel like that's a non-comparable mm-hmm. kind of uh, genre. Well, like if this was if they were live action, this wouldn't be the same genre. So I but I also, like, I just, I loved seeing an Elastigirl as a hero. That, that and, is true. And I, to me, the movie didn't go down. To, to me, it didn't go down. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it. It is definitely, I don't, I don't think as fondly, like, I don't quote Incredibles 2. Like, I still quote Incredibles 1. At a Christmas party a few weeks ago, I went, I don't know, just wanted to see something amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so... I uh, to me I still equate um, the Incredibles one is something I quote, but I still love I still love. I mean, this I still like it. I think my rating on Incredibles two whenever we saw it was somewhere around four four and a half. I think I'd probably go to about three and three quarters. 
Mm, okay. Which is still a really solid movie. Anything three and up, I think I would act- actively watch again. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but yeah. So see Incredibles two if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I I say go see it. It's really family friendly. Um, without being an adult snorer. Right. And I also think it's really take your daughters to go see it because mm. you get to see all the girls kind of kick some major bootay. Yeah. And then also take your boys to go see it because girls rock too. Yes. Okay, next. Uh, next is Jurassic World 2. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I, mine went down. Yeah? Even though the first Jurassic World has stayed constant. Like, I would give that movie a four right now. The second one... I think it went down to like a two and a half. So how come you think? Um, I don't know if I'd go back and watch it. I would rather go back and watch either the first Jurassic World or go see the original like Jurassic movies. Mm -hmm. So um, that went down because it just didn't, I don't know, it's not as memorable and... I mean, I'm probably going to go see this. I'm going to go see the third one. Oh, we're going to go see all of them from here on out. But oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I love seeing dinosaurs. So, yeah. Um, I would say mine probably went down too. Mine's probably closer to a two and a half, uh, maybe two and a quarter. Okay. Just because the farther away I get from it, the more I realize how stupid of a movie it actually is. Yeah. And it just, and the. And we're trying to avoid spoilers for the record in case you haven't seen movies. Well, but but right, let's, let's just say, though, that proceed with this episode at your own risk. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes or at the very least haven't seen these movies, if you're new, welcome. Uh, but if you haven't seen these movies, you know, proceed at your own risk because we're not going to do a spoiler section like we normally do. No. Um, I will say that the little girl twist at the end of the movie... I mean, I almost did a table flip on that, and now that I think, now that I know that it's there, I just wouldn't go rewatch this movie. Right, the Cloney McClone face just pissed me off. Yeah, um, the fact that I remember whenever we were talking with Tony about it, who Tony was awesome. Uh, I know, but um, but as you guys are familiar with our Predator episode, we are able to divorce awesome people from the movies that they Well, and did. the stunts, like, there's individual parts of the movie that are really great, but the story itself... Yeah, well, I so. remember talking to Tony, and I was like, you know, well, you know, the scene in the dinosaur auction, which I never thought I'd say in a Jurassic <laughs> Park movie, um, the best parts of that movie, to me, were stolen from other movies. Uh, yeah. Like, um, like... Chris Pratt trying to get away from the I mean, lava. That was straight up Wolf of Wall Street. There were so many shots that were directly uh, Indiana Jones movies. Like there was a camera tracking oh. shot where he was fist fighting during the uh, dinosaur auction. And seriously, what the f- kind of movie is this? Yeah. But like that was straight up Indiana Jones. There were shots that were straight up out of the original Jurassic Park series. And like all the good stuff about it, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go watch those movies again. So if you're totally into dinosaurs, make sure you have watched the original Jurassic Park. You can also see, I totally love Jurassic World. The ending of Jurassic World, the first one, uh-huh. it's great. Yeah. It's great. And then do yourself a favor and rewatch all the Indiana Jones and then you've really gotten Jurassic World too. Exactly. Next? Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, you know... um, I really have good memories of the Jurassic of the Jurassics. <laughs> Get brush that out of your I hair. I can't. You gotta wash that dinosaur out of my hair. <laughs> um, uh, Mission Impossible. In a year from now, 
I won't be able to tell you what Fallout was about. Right. But I will watch it again. Yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling with all the Mission Impossible movies, especially uh, also because they're ten thousand hour long movies. Yeah. But they're really fun. That's the thing is that regardless whether they have a lot of memorable staying, like not staying power is in like they're good movies or bad movies, but staying power is in like what sticks in your head. Uh, Even though to me they don't have a whole lot of like memorable staying power. I know that I loved every single one of them. Yeah, and I will go watch back and watch it. I would give it. I would. I would give it a three, three and a quarter. I, I'd go with three and a half on this one. Yeah, Be, because it's really good. Yeah, uh, it's really good. And like like I said in the original episode, is that if uh, for the next James Bond movie, if they don't have. Uh, David Arnold or Thomas Newman come back to do the music. I think Lorne Balfe just proved that he can score a James Bond movie and have it be great. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And the character's really fun. Um, Henry Cavill was great in it. Oh, really great. The stunt sequences, I think um, they're going to, I think that movie is going to sweep Taurus. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Avengers will as well. They're up for a SAG award. Um, I think Avengers will probably take it, but I think, God, just the stuff that went down in Fallout was so good. Um, so logline for this: if you really want to see an awesome helicopter fight scene, yeah, um, see it. Yeah. And it's at the end of the movie, so you're gonna have to watch all of it. But you get so many other great things out of there. Yeah, uh, I, I saw Christopher McQuarrie posted on Twitter today. Uh, somebody had a sh- had a shot of like. It was Tom Cruise running across the buildings as Tom Cruise has wont to do, as, uh, yes. and then the camera kind of the camera kind of uh, like it's following him and it kind of drifts back a little bit. And they ask how long it took them to film, and apparently it didn't take them that long to film. And they were like, and the reason he actually said the reason you see that is because Tom was out running the bike camera. That's insane. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so next is The Meg, which you didn't actually see. I did not see The Uh, Meg. I actually just texted Lennon to see if she had any thoughts she wanted to share on The Meg. Uh, Because I saw that one with our dear friend Lennon Hobson. Uh, Yes. So, so far, just a real quick recap. Huge thanks to Tony McFarr. Yes. And if you want to, if you haven't listened to the Jurassic World episode and hear about Tony... Make sure to check yeah. that out because he's a really cool guy. And go visit him at Fit Kitchen. Yes. So yeah. if you're ever in the Atlanta area, um, he's got a really, really yummy restaurant. You got to check that out. So, and Lennon is a professional dancer. Yeah, dancer, choreographer. Uh, she runs, uh, she's one of the founders of Boomstick Theater yeah. in LA, and they're doing some really cool things. Uh, they just did, uh, they did a, well, obviously around Halloween, but they did a show around Halloween where they had Alice, which is another band of, a friend, group of friends of ours. Uh, I've played with them a few times, and they're just a great band. Yeah. Uh, and they apparently did like Alice versus the Evil Dead for Boomstick Theater. I love it. All right. So Lennon literally just texted me back and says, "Why is there not more Meg in our lives?" Lennon, 2019. You heard it. Heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Lennon uh, Hobson, um, shark shark movies, which. Um, if you have listened to that episode, or if you listen to any episode, you will know that Jordan has an affinity for shark movies. I do. Um, wh- so what what would you rate the Meg, and it, would you say now, would you tell people to go see it? I can't remember what I rated it first. I'd probably rate it a solid three and a quarter right now. Oh, really? Yeah, just because the main thing that bothered me about that movie is that it couldn't decide if it wanted to be like schlock or if it wanted to elevate the genre, and so it didn't do either very well. Oh, okay. But it was a lot of fun. Oh, 
I just started playing Mission Impossible Fallout on my phone. <laughs> I have my phone pulled out on Apple Podcasts to make sure that we don't miss anything. Um, yeah, I would say go see go see the Meg. It's not nearly as bad as a shark movie has the capability of being, but it's not going to be Jaws. And I don't think I don't watch that with the same sheer enjoyment that I watch Deep Blue Sea. I was going to say, is there a camel toe uh, in the Meg? We know there's a camel toe in Deep Blue Sea. We all know that. Yeah. If you, to, to quote Jason Manzoukas from How Did This Get Made, if you're wondering if this is a movie where a woman with a visible camel toe electrocutes a shark, yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. How did this get made? Um, wow. I'm going to be editing a lot out in this episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say go see the Meg. I, like I said, I don't watch it with the same gleeful joy that I do Deep Blue Sea, but a lot of that's probably nostalgia because I know Deep Blue Sea isn't a great movie. It either. is not a good movie, but it made me terrified of sharks for a long time when yeah. I saw it as a kid. Mm. Holy smokes! So, so yeah, I can't remember any camel toe. I remember there being some <laughs> really awkward romantic plot setups, hmm. uh, but no camel toe. Copy that. Do I need to edit Camel Toe or can we no, keep that in there? No, that is clean family fun, my friend. All right. So the next one is Christopher Robin. That went down. I think it went down too. Um, I'd still give it a three. I would give it a three as that well. That might be what we gave it the first time. It might be. Um, I we, We've actually had a lot of people ask us about this uh, this movie in person um, and I will, I, I will continue to say what I've said since the episode is watch it for no other reason than Eeyore. Yes. And, and kind of Tigger as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that they did the, the inhabitants of the hundred acre wood were great. Agreed. I wish that movie broke my heart more. I mean, after you just told me the plot and I sat in our closet and cried. Mm-hmm. Well, I played you the trailer when that happened. I cl- No, I shut you out of the... I watched the trailer in the closet. You brought it to me and then I proceeded to kick you out of the <laughs> closet and I continued to cry. And I'm with Jordan. It just didn't break my heart and the ending was so cliche, but it was cliche in a bad way Yeah. that I just totally... I totally wasn't down. Yeah, I... It did not live up to its potential. There were some things I really liked in there. Some beautiful camera shots. Uh, oh, it was a beautiful movie, and yeah. I think someone youthful would really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I still I still recommend seeing this movie because it's one of those where I genuinely think that, you know, I could see it being possible that we're in the minority on this. You think so? I can see it as a possibility. I don't think we are, but I can see it as a possibility. Yeah, I would I would say if you are like us and adults who love sentimental saccharine things every so often, this is not the movie for you. Yeah. If you have little ones um, and you want something heartwarming and exciting for them to watch, because mm-hmm. seeing the inhabitants of Hundred Acre Wood the way that they are originally imagined is fun. Yeah. So I'm definitely not saying not go. I just, it's definitely, I didn't get the reward that I hoped. Um, and, um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I wish they hadn't called it Christopher Robin. If they had truly made Winnie the Pooh, the star, cause Winnie, I mean, Pooh bear is mm-hmm. just, ever, the, they are everything. And I felt Ewan McGregor was the weakest link. Yeah, which is a weird thing to say. I never thought I would say that. Yeah, but uh, 
But he continues to be great in a lot of other things. Oh, I mean, he's the only reason to watch the star, like the early star, star Wars. Yeah, he he's he, well. He and Liam Neeson are definitely the two people who came out. Well, and John Williams, they are the three people who came out unscathed. John from those Williams star- could score a pile of, <laughs> and we'd all be like. I mean, it's John Williams. It's probably... John like, Williams could have scored our next movie, <laughs> The Predator, and come out unscathed. And he did. Well, he didn't. I know. Uh, yeah. I know. But, uh, no, Henry Jackman did The Predator, and like I said in the episode, I did actually really like his music. The Predator, you know, actually, I would say The Predator went up maybe a quarter star for me. Mostly just because we saw Holmes and Watson? <laughs> <laughs> probably. And I also think... The story was not as good as it could have been. Oh, the story was n- not good. In no, the but the action was really great. Yeah. And if I could put it on, basically it went up because I can really see all the Predators mm-hmm. and that those action sequences, similar to Fallout, I can really see them. And I can really see those plot points. Everything else, like the dog and crap, yeah. like... I just let it go. It's like we said, the first quarter of the movie convinced us that this was going to be a good movie, and that was not fair, Predator. It was, I know. Yeah, shame on thee. <laughs> For shame. Um, no, I'd say, I think I gave it two and a half. I'd, I'd consistently a two right now. I would, I would give it a two and a half. I might have given it the, something uh, lower. Mostly just because of, like, how haphazard the post-production felt. And I'm not even talking about the audio because I've already gone back and eaten my crow for the Predator on the audio stuff. But the fact that a major character was killed on screen and we didn't notice... It's bananas. Yeah, that's that's unforgivable in a movie. Yes. I would say, if, if you like things that make you chill, this would be a good movie to watch. But still, like, if you want to watch a Predator movie that's not as good as the first one, you seriously have two other ones to choose from. Oh, totally. So, like, I I still wouldn't recommend seeing this movie. Like, I would recommend seeing parts of this movie. And, again, it's hard because we like Brian so much. Well, that's the the thing, though. The Predator in this movie... The first Predator. Is so... No, I would say all the Predators. Not not the super Predator. Oh, I don't know. The, the the motion of it, the story of it isn't good. But the character work in this mm-hmm. is so... Like, this movie was not worthy of their performances. Right. I mean, this this is a movie that made Keegan-Michael Key not funny, but it made these creature actors... Made Tom Jane not charismatic. Right? But these creature actors were phenomenal. Yeah. And... Like just the just all those performances are just worthy of watching, um, and huge thanks to Brian Prince um, for being our for being our yeah. buddy. We'll we'll give Brian Prince five out of five stars. Um, all the stars. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I can't wait to see what he does with his uh, graphic novel. When I had lunch with him the other day, we were talking about that, and uh, there's going to be some pretty good stuff going on. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm super stoked. So on make it. sure you um, check out that episode um, with Brian because. We not only talk really fun things and we talk about Edgar Wright a whole lot, yeah. but also um, he talks about creating the Predator, yeah. which is uh, a little sneak peek into what it's really like just, and it just was to give so you fun to talk to him. A little sneak peek, one of Brian's biggest influences was one of his and my favorite video games. Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's the teaser I'm going to give you for that if you haven't listened to it already. Yes, or go back um, and make sure you follow Brian on all of social media mm-hmm. because you can follow him and get like info on his graphic novel. Yeah. Next. Uh, a simple favor. Ooh, 
I can't remember what I rated this one, but I'd still say this one's still a solid three and a half. I would give it a, like a three and a quarter, mate. Yeah, I give it a three quarter. I I was gonna go. I was gonna be bold and go four. Um, I think I'm gonna stay in the high high to mid to high threes. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give this one a solid three and a half with maybe a little bit of overflow. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, if you're interested in t- in some awesome female leads, but you were hoping for the risqueness of Gone Girl, but maybe you're just like not so risque, this yeah. is the movie for if you. If you don't feel like you have the stomach for something like Gone Girl, which gets really intense, um, if uh, you want to see Neil Patrick Harris have something really awful happen, happen to him, mm-hmm. see Gone Girl. <laughs> If not... <laughs> yeah, Gone Girl gets super intense. And of course, A Simple Favor didn't have uh, the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score to ramp it up even more. But I, this is that type of movie, but it's great for people who don't want to go so dark. Yeah, and I really had fun. And I really... I loved the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it had some story issues and some genre issues, I will say. I would say the genre issues were more impactful than the story issues. Right. Some places it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a comedy or a serious thriller. Yeah. Uh, And so the marriage of the two of them kind of didn't blend very well. But I mean, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively were so good in it that I don't really care. They were, it was, it was really, I I enjoyed it. Um, and that, and I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And I did get to see that at the Glendale, um, the Glendale Theater, mm-hmm. and that's such a beautiful theater. So I was I was happy to go and do that because right. it was it, for me it was a lovely experience. And I hadn't at that point I was working in L.A. and mm-hmm. I hadn't seen you in a minute. Yeah. And so I also have fond memories of recording that episode mm-hmm. because I got to have a little mini date with you. Yeah, and oh, I I'm clumsy. Uh, you want you guys want to listen to Simple Favor pipe through the microphone so I can do that. <laughs> Uh, no, and I, I made friends with the two women outside of the theater That's as well. That's right. Uh, I somehow approached two women in a parking lot and didn't seem creepy, so, you know, that's a win for me. Win-win. Uh, okay, the next movie, The Nun. Uh, you know what? The, for me, The Nun stays at a two because it's not memorable enough to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I would, go, I would go down because since The Nun, we have rewatched one of my favorite favorite horror films which is The Conjuring I also really love Annabelle I love Annabelle the second Annabelle mm-hmm. um, I actually really do like that uh, the second Annabelle yeah I, it was pretty solid um, the dolls scared the living daylights out of me yeah we recently visited uh, Jordan's grandfather um, and his assisted living and one of his neighbors has a room full of dolls <laughs> it was a room full of a thousand nightmares um I texted my really dear friend, uh, Rebecca Rasul, and I said, if I don't come back, this is why. So I don't do dolls. So um, with that, all of that in mind, I've rewatched a lot of those, mm-hmm. which I truly love, and I have I can't forgive The Nun. Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the best part about The Nun was getting to talk about it with Alex, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um, and again, another shout out to another amazing uh, guest host, to Alexander Ward. Um, you can 
catch Alex um, on the la- this latest season of Westworld. And I know he's actually been, um, he's been doing like the Vampire Masquerade on Geek, like on Geek Yeah, and so Sundry. on the Geek and Sundry Twitch channel. I think the story just ended. Uh, oh, so you, could you go back and watch it? I think you can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he's been doing, uh, I think it's called LA by Night, uh, based upon Vampire Masquerade. Uh, okay. Vampire the Last Masquerade, I believe. I'm the Dungeons and Dragons uh, LARP vampire world is something I'm just very much not familiar with. Uh, I had dinner with Alex last time I was in LA, and he was explaining it all to me. And I'm just he's just like, dude, I'm sorry, I'm just geeking out all over you. I was like, no. I don't follow anything you're saying, but I love how much you love this. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you uh, catch Alex, catch uh, our episode with the nun, because I think it's flipping hilarious. Yeah, yeah. O- honestly, just getting to talk about it with Alex, who loves horror movies about as much as we do, if not more. I would say more. Um, so the discipline, we, we made... Uh, we made disappointment entertaining in that episode. Agreed. So um, a little logline on The Nun is you take the mastermind of James Wan and The Conjuring and water it down to something that really scared you in The Conjuring too. It's like and if Barney Fife directed The Conjuring. <laughs> yeah. And you take the scare- one of the scariest parts of The Conjuring too, and you make a nun lay flat on her face. Yes. Um... Okay. What was next? The next one is one of our favorites of the year, <gasps> First Man. Oh, man. So, and we were talking right before we started recording, we started talking about the uh, the snubbing that is going on with the Golden Globes and the Oscar shortlist. Yeah. Um, so, and by by the time you hear this, the, the Globes will have aired. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it got completely... Completely snubbed. Yeah, so it's up for two Golden Globes, which I think are deserved. Uh, one for Claire Foy, and uh, she was lovely, and one for the score. But what about the one of the Ryans? Yeah, well, I mean, but Ryan Gosling has a like. Yeah, he was nominated for an Academy Award uh, for La La Land, and I think he has another nomination under his belt. Was and it of, for Drive? No, it definitely wasn't for Drive. Okay. Uh, and like we always say, guys, like it's not like we're star chasers and are just like, oh, Oscars, Oscars, so glamorous. Like we understand that that is only a small facet of what makes the industry cool. I mean, we've not been in Oscar nominated movies, right? And we have, and we are working professionals. Yeah. So but please, by no means, think that this is what the end all be all. But especially for these but, movies that are like that are coming out and we're talking about, mm-hmm. especially right now. Um, especially as we're getting screeners in. It's a good barometer for something. Yeah. Uh, And like, you know, I don't know of a single person. I know there are people out there, but I don't know of a single person who would be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be nominated for an Oscar. Oh, oh, heck no. Yeah. I mean, again, I realize that statistically I may go my entire life without being nominated for an Oscar and that's fine. Statistically, I can't. Right. So, Uh, um... But that being said, it doesn't. That's yeah. A, only a barometer of the kinds of movies you work on. Right. So anyway, back to First Man. Uh, yes. Has this one gone down for you any? I know we we rated. I rated it like a four and a half. Um, I would say I would still probably keep it at my original rating at like a four and a quarter, four and a half. Uh huh. Um, I might have rated it like a five on the day. I might have rated it really high. Um. But I the reason it hasn't gone down for me is. 
one, the mood of the movie has stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And to me, it has been a really prime example of a successful movie that has its has a very specific style. And to me, that was wildly successful, even though I'm not a huge Damien Chazelle fan. Um, So that was wildly successful for me. And I keep um, looking for the book to buy and rent at the, it's not at our library. Really? Ah, curses. But I'm about to read actually, because I saw this movie, the next book I'm reading is Hidden Figures, which was a really lovely movie, but I've really been wanting to read the book and it just downloaded onto my library app. Well, yay. Um, so make sure you support your local library. And so I will say that this movie has really stuck with me and it's Mm -hmm. really spoken to my inner nerd. It's a, it's a biopic that, isn't boring and self-indulgent. Agreed. It's it's a biopic that real that realizes that it wanted to try something new. Yeah. Uh, and it did that by stripping a lot of it back, which I thought was a really in, a really brave and interesting way to do that. Agreed. Because you know it was it was a gamble. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I know I've heard some criticism how uh, how Claire Foy was shoved into the nagging wife role. I don't a hundred percent agree with I that. I didn't but, see nagging at all. Yeah. Um, I, I can see where people might say that. I just don't necessarily agree with that. I thought that I thought that she the movie made her out to be almost a stronger person than Neil Armstrong was because she was keeping the house together. She was the one who went and uh, chewed out NASA for cutting off her feed uh, during his mission. I mean, she took she, care of the other wives. Yeah, she was she was the one who forced him to explain to his kids that he might not come back alive from the moon. To me, that's not a nagging wife. To me, that is somebody who's trying to keep this person grounded. Well, and that, and she's she's being real, and that's something yeah. that I know that in our review we said she was that character could have just been another nineteen whatever household housewife, mm-hmm. and she wasn't. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the staying power of Claire Foy. Um, her episode of SNL is also very very good. Yes, it was. Um, but I think that's one of a, a, a big tribute to her yeah so first man still still high yeah still high all right the movie halloween um i would say it went down like a quarter yeah i'm still gonna give this one a five but that does have an asterisk because i'm not giving this a five compared to like widows I'm I'm giving this a five compared to slasher movies where we all know the bars set low but i love them anyway yeah um the parts that I loved about this movie, I was willing to forgive everything I didn't like about it, especially the the Doctor Sartain portion of it. Yeah, uh, which was really really stupid. It um, was. I thought that it, the movie would have worked better had they, because they kind of retconned the in, the ending of the first Halloween. I thought it would have been better if they kept the second Halloween in like as part of its story and retconned the ending of that. Yeah. I, I think one of my reasons it went down for me is after seeing Fantastic Beasts mm-hmm. and they were like, everything that happened in that other movie, just like, forget about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. And it, so it kind of gave me like a, okay, we can't do that. Yeah. But this is the Michael Myers I've wanted to see for years. Yeah. And um, I think the the creature, because he is a creature, he's a monster, mm-hmm. that was really really powerful. Jamie Lee Curtis was great, even though I didn't buy her storyline. 
Yeah. Well, and again, that's where I mean they should have kept Halloween 2 in there. I agree. Uh, but I mean, again, we you can listen to the episode for our specific thoughts on that. For me, uh, I watched this movie. We did the episode. Jess went to work the next day, and I went and saw it again. Yeah. And I will say... If you say around Halloween time, let's rewatch it. Uh-huh. I would not watch this the rest of the year. Gotcha. It's not like the original Halloween where you're like, oh, I'm down. Yeah, like, oh, sure. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. Like I said, it's a five, but we all know it's an, there. there's an asterisk with that five. <laughs> Fair. Okay, uh, do we want to rate every movie we did in our ultimate Halloween movie guide? Negative, sir. Uh, just go listen to that one. It's our longest episode by far, but I really liked it, so you should listen to it. <laughs> but also, if you really like scary movies, or if you're new to the genre, um, hopefully our ginormous review will give you a, a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And also, too, we're at this point, if you're listening to this in 2019, we're a new podcast. If you're listening to this by... 2021 hopefully we're still going strong because we really love what we do hopefully you've just heard an ad for casper mattress right <laughs> yeah, just like Rayburn. everyone else and we also brush our teeth with quick <coughs> toothbrushes we do yeah. they're awesome damn it um so i am um, but if uh, if you're listening to this way in the future if you're we did it because we wanted you all to get to know us because we are horror geeks yeah um, and we do love making horror movies um and so but if you're listening to this in the future, and um, we might not do that again, may or may not, I don't know. Future us, me, I don't know. Um, but if you're getting into the genre, I would say totally listen to that episode because we really do have a love affair for scary movies. Right. Okay, so next one, uh, next movie we saw was A Star is Born, which I didn't see. True. Can I go back to the Halloween episode real quick? Real quick. Um, the reason being is adding on to it, if you haven't seen Get Out... Mm-hmm. watch it because this year there's a movie coming out by Jordan Peele that I'm so excited for. So go see Get Out. Yeah, don't skip ahead too far. I know I'm not, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but then you see Get Out. Yes, the, yes. To put in the Halloween episode. I'm not skipping ahead. All right, no, I, I agree. Uh, everybody should see Get Out. Because I know that's not in our episode. Right. What are we talking about? A Star is Born. Oh, bleh. I think that actually went down for Jessica. It went way down. Where, how many stars would you give it? Um, I would give it two and a half. What did you What did you give it the first time? Do you I remember? Give it a three. Yeah. So it um, didn't, so it didn't go way down then. It didn't go way down. Um, the movie has a great deal of merit. How they shot it is really exciting as a filmmaker. Like the fact that they were like, "Okay, you've got twenty minutes of Coachella. Let's go." That's exciting to me, right? They had to really perform, uh-huh. but it limited the storytelling of the camera I thought in uh, as you have said many times I'm surprised they made this movie in this climate Uh in the Me Too uh, climate Um, I really think Lady Gaga can save herself Um, and I really don't like the ending I thought it was weak Mm -hmm. a weak movie ending yeah Um, and I um, it desperately needed a score yeah it it just needed it so ever badly. I, I'm honestly surprised they didn't at least just get T-Bone Burnett on there and like do some kind of like, you know, like kind of like what um, he what he did for like the Johnny Cash movie, you know? And I love the Johnny Cash movie. Yeah. So it just needed something and Lady Gaga is going to get all this. She's going to get so many nods that I don't think are, are deserved because I don't think she is a seasoned and chiseled actress because I didn't know how to feel through... I would say three quarters of the movie. Cool. 
Well, let's try and speed this up a little bit. We got a few more movies to let's touch do on. It. Uh, Widows. Oh, five. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go on ahead and say four four and three quarters to a five. Yeah, it's a heist movie, but it is a heist movie just done really really right. It has so many layers to it. Um, it's exciting. Uh, it's actually really sexy. Um, yeah. Yeah, something for the fellas. Something <laughs> for the f- and it's a great date night. Yeah, it's a great date night. Um, it has so many layers to it. You care about the characters. You care when they're betrayed. You care when they succeed and when they fail. Uh, the performances are just spot on. Hans Zimmer's music was really good. Yeah. Uh, Steve McQueen's directing was great. I still hear people talk about that one continuous shot of him leaving the rally and driving <laughs> back to his house. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, Widows still... Uh, stop, pause this podcast if mm-hmm. you haven't seen it and go see it. All right. The Grinch. Um, I don't know how about star rating for me, but my initial thought is I wouldn't go back and watch this one. Uh, I, I wouldn't either. I think, uh, I think I gave it, might've given it a three the last time. I'm that down to, right. I'm down to around two, two and a half yes. at this point. And that's a shame because Keenan Thompson was yeah. my favorite part of this whole, that movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm just bummed out that but, I wouldn't go see it. But there shouldn't be a children's cartoon movie that brings up the thoughts of 9-11 so hardcore. In me. I know, but... Man alive! If you haven't listened to that that episode, I highly recommend it. I thought it's... more about nine eleven during the Grinch <laughs> than I did through Vice. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Beasts: Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, I would say it went down just a smidge mm-hmm. in stars. Um, I think the this movie, how I feel about Crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald. Um, really depends on how the next movie goes. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's gonna stay right in the middle of the three for me. Yeah. Because um, there were parts of it that I liked, uh, like like I said in the episode, the highs were super high, but the lows were infuriatingly low. Yes, and so I'm really excited for the next movie because I'm a diehard Harry Potter fan. I have a flipping Harry Potter tattoo. Yeah. Um. So I. Uh, I'm I I need to see the next one before I know how I truly feel about Crimes of Grindelwald. All right, we're gonna skip past the uh, throwback because of course we love Elf. Of course um, we love Elf. Vice. Um, I want to see it again. Yeah, for me, I mean, th- and the last these last three have been pretty recent for us. Um, I'm still sticking with four and a half for Vice. I would still stick it there. I really need to see it again. Uh huh. Um, it is for me was an overly emotional film and seeing vice i have just watched um about feminism on netflix or it's called what were they thinking Uh it's a documentary about feminism and i've watched reversing row i've watched a lot of things right now that make me feel really emotional about vice Mm -hmm. i feel very emotional about the movie i need to see it again cool uh holmes and watson I'm still going to give it like a one. I'm right down at a one, too. I think I was overly generous during our review of Holmes and Watson. You were shocked how low I gave it. Right. And honestly, I'm shocked. At this point, I'm shocked at how high I gave it. And I didn't give it very high. Well, and you didn't nap. I think that was maybe maybe the crux of it all, babe. Because I I napped and you didn't. I, uh, yeah, I think I was... I was still in shock that a movie that starred Will Ferrell and John C. Riley could have been so bad, but it's worse than you think it could be possible to be. Yeah. 
Um, okay, the last one of uh, 2018, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. So this one's really fresh for us at this time. Yeah, we literally just saw this the other day. Um, and I still give it a really high rating. And actually, it's gone up uh-huh. um, because the our interview with Daniel was just so enlightening and so exciting. Yeah. And I'm not an animated geek by any means but um, I know that Dan has worked in animation for a long time and the fact that when he was talking about the animation how DreamWorks Disney Pixar is worried about being really real like realistic and the fact that Sony just took a big leap and made this how they made this specifically uh-huh. and something they didn't talk about um, we didn't talk about in the episode I think is in the animation the background is animated every frame, right? But the anim- the movement is animated what every every other, other frame. Yeah. So it's shot in twenty four frames a minute. Uh huh. But animated in twelve. In twelve, um, and I just er, t- frames per second. Frames per second, not minute. Oh my god, that'd be the slowest movie ever. Right. Um, frames per second. FPS. Sorry. Um, and. I just think it's, I'm really inspired by that movie Mm -hmm. and it makes, it makes me want to be a better filmmaker. And so that movie has gone up because it's just exciting. Yeah. I would say it's a solid four and a half for me. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those things where like, like I said, I still like Incredibles too, but if somebody were to be like, Hey, so, uh, so we're going to watch a movie tonight. We have Incredibles 2 and Spider-Man. My response would be, why would you watch Incredibles 2 when you have Into the Spider-Verse right here? From a storytelling perspective, it was just leaps and bounds better. It was a great story. Yeah. It was so good, and it was so... It made my, the little girl in me excited. It made the the old woman in me excited. It made the filmmaker in me excited. It made the future mom in me excited. So... Um, it made the teacher part of me excited. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot to that movie that is really exciting and um, teaser for that, that it's Spider-Man, but it follows, follows Miles Morales, but it also really highlights a lot of this, the universe, the Spider-Man universe. And yeah. it does a really brilliant job of taking you along for the ride. And it really cares about what story it's telling you. And you can t- you can feel the people's heart in it. Right. Okay, so um, those are all the movies that we did. Um, we were going to talk more about, like, oh, were there any movies that we didn't see that we wanted to? And, like, you know, we didn't get to see Black Klansmen, Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, as of this recording, we still haven't seen Aquaman or Mary Poppins, which we're hoping to... Uh, trying to get that, yeah. get that, make that happen. Um, so uh, I would just say, best movie of the year for you. Oh, my gosh. Widows. Widows. Uh, hands down, worst movie of the year for you, girl. You know well, we have to say it. Uh, Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. We didn't plan that, by the way. No, uh, no, no. We're he's he's staring at me right now. Yeah, and I've got tin foil on my fingers trying to get nail polish off. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Ha- uh, Jordan's have to, having the engineer's ass off tonight. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. All right, so let's take a quick break and uh, let's try and see how long the rest of the episode takes us. And I think we're going to need a refill. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so you go get a refill and join us back right after the break. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish. 
What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's, R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And welcome back to Date Night at the Movies, or How I Spent My Babysitter Money, and welcome to our year in review. Yeah, so we're going to take a little break from the format. We're going to spend just a few minutes talking about Mandy. Now, heads up with the Mandy review. Like we said earlier in the episode, I don't really know how we can actually review this. No. And, and that's okay, because we're not film critics, necessarily. Uh, like... Well, I mean, we we are. We're taking this stance that we're film critics. Well, right. So, but what I mean by that is that we don't have a journalistic responsibility to review this movie. No, 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 no. Uh, so, if we were if we were working for Chicago Tribune, then this would be a much harder thing on how do we put this into words. Right. Right now, all I'm going to say is that this is a movie you have to experience. So, like, we can't even really talk spoilers. There are really no spoilers in this movie. I mean, there. There are in the how the characters are, mm-hmm. and I don't want to really talk too much about that because that is a spoiler. Right. Um, we want to take a moment to talk about Mandy because Jordan talked about this movie a ton in 2018, mm-hmm. and it's our first movie of 2019. Right. Um, Close enough, we're still going to call this a 2018. Yes, now. and so you can still... So Mandy wasn't in a wide release. No, it, in fact, it only made $1.6 million in its um, release. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a movie that's going to make its money later. Right. Um, and it's going to have a cult following. Yeah, well, I mean, so it is definitely an art house film. Oh, yeah. Um, I've never seen so much red in my whole life. Right, Uh it was it, like Jess just said. It's a very. It was a very uh, narrow release that it got, and it almost immediately went to VOD. Like right now, uh, if you're a Shutter subscriber, uh, it's streaming exclusively on Shutter for free. I mean, once you pay, besides the fact that you have to get the subscription, but it's just one of the movies you can watch on there. You can also uh, rent or buy it on Amazon Prime and on iTunes. Okay. So this movie, you do have access to this movie. Um, we both rated it a solid four battle axes. Yes. Um, I think that that's a fair thing on there because this movie isn't going to be for everybody's cup of tea. No, and it's gru- <coughs> It's really gruesome. It really is. This this is the type of movie Rob Zombie thinks he's making. Yes, and just to let you know, when we say gruesome, if you know us, you know our, our tolerance level is fairly high, mm-hmm. and we've talked about if you what your tolerance level to children deaths are yeah. um, before, and um, I mean, the, one of the final deaths in this is somebody falls on a chainsaw, and we both went, whoa. Yeah, although, so it's not as bad as, there was another movie in the last couple of years where somebody did that. Uh, it was Rob Zombie's 31. Which that was probably. Did I see that? Yeah, we watched that together. Okay. It's where they kidnap the carnival workers on Halloween. Ooh, ooh. That's one of the most joyless movie going experiences that I've ever had. Yes. Um, and that's the movie that made me start thinking maybe Rob Zombie isn't as good of a filmmaker as I thought he was. Yeah. Um, 
because it's just not it's just not a good movie. This movie, like I, like I said, this is what I think Rob Zombie thinks he's making because this movie had a lot of artistic value to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it had some killer performances. Nick Cage is Nick Caging all over the place. Oh my god, his but, Nick his Nick rage. Yeah, in the bathroom. So this is why we're drinking vodka. He has this like rage quit in the bathroom uh-huh. that kind of sets off. And I do want to say there was two times in this movie that I went, here we go. Uh-huh. Like, buckle up. Yeah. Um, and Jordan said something while we are watching it, and I was like, this is telling of this movie. We get, what, halfway through the movie, and you go, oh my God, we haven't even got to the Nick Cage part yet. Yeah, this movie goes is so crazy before it even gets to the Nick Cage-ness of it. Yeah. Um, but one thing to say, and this is where I like I always defend Nick Cage. Uh, like he makes a lot of bad movies, and he just but he likes to work all the time. So you know you can't always bat a thousand. But no. in this movie, for as like crazy and as off the wall as he was in it, there are genuine moments of pure raw emotion coming from him. Oh, it's he's his performance is everyone's performance is good. Yeah, and but like you know. It's really popular nowadays to say, like, oh, what's Crazy Nick Cage going to do? And what Crazy Nick Cage does in this movie is goes off the wall and gives you a a heartfelt performance at the same time. Oh, agreed. Um, so I wanted... This is by no means a bad movie. Oh, no. Like, but it's just not going to be for everybody. And the but, thing is that you'll know if it's for you or not. Yes. And when I watched it, it literally... Um, there actually was moments that felt like Never Hike Alone. Yeah. A lot of well, there's a fight choreography and there's there's moments and a lot of the makeup. I really want to message um, our makeup artist for Never Hike Alone, Kelsey Burke, um, who works on Fear the Walking Dead. Um, it felt very reminiscent of parts of Never, Never Hike Alone, but also like there was just all these like weapon fights and just all this crazy choreography. It seemed like a stunt coordinator and fight choreographer dream. Well, it was so bananas. Would you have loved to choreographed oh, a chainsaw fight? Oh my gosh. And whenever I looked at you and I said, Oh my gosh, if I had been in the meetings for this, I would have been like, okay, <laughs> like I sure that's crazy town, but we'll do it. So, so. So I want, before we even like talk about anything else, music or anything, uh, I wanted to read some IMDb stuff off of here. Sure. Uh, so apparently, um, apparently the Cheddar Goblin commercial, which is we're not going to spoil that for you. It's disgusting. Uh, that yeah. was that, that was written by the director. It was written by the director and directed by the guy who directed Too Many Cooks for Adult Swim. Oh, crazy! Which makes total sense, yes. right? Um, let's see. Uh, what all is okay? So the metal, the battle axe that uh, that Nick Cage forged in this movie. Apparently, that is the logo for a legendary metal band called Celtic Frost. Hysterical! You know what I liked about it what? is that it looks like a guitar. Yeah, exactly. And he has it strapped to his back, mm-hmm. um, which is indicative. Uh, if you if this is your cup of tea, the opening quote on the movie, the battle axe strapped on like a guitar, will yeah. make sense. Um, apparently, uh, the director, the director is Panos Cosmodos, who, uh, he's only done one other movie called Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is also on Shudder. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm definitely going to now. Um, his father was George P. Cosmodos, who directed, uh, Tombstone and the second Rambo movie. Oh, wow. This is totally different. Yeah. Um, but apparently he wanted Nick Cage to play Jeremiah Sand, the cult leader. 
And uh-uh. Cage just didn't want to do it. He didn't have any interest in it. And then eventually, so Elijah Wood is one of the producers on here. Uh, got got him to uh, got him Panos Cosmotos to talk to Nick Cage about it and be like, look, he wants to play Red. Just talk to him about it. And apparently, after that meeting, that's when he was like, no, you're Red. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. This I don't think this movie would have worked with anybody else playing. I Red. don't think so either. Uh, let's see here. Um, reading some other things. Apparently, uh, apparently the chainsaw fight was filmed in one night. Oh, of course. And the director basically said that they went through pure hell to make that happen. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, let's... Anytime you have something like a chainsaw that only works in certain ways, and that, and I'm sure somewhere in pre-production they go, we want sparks! And everyone's like, sparks? You can get that when metal on metal flies, and you're like, "Oh no!" Mm-hmm. So it's doing something like that is is a can be a stunt nightmare. Yeah, because you have to, the practicality of it is really tough. Uh, apparently, uh, Richard Brake, who played the chemist in the movie, who tells him where the cult's church is, uh-huh. um, the super skinny dude. Yeah, he was also in Thirty One and a lot of other Rob Zombie movies mm-hmm. as well. Um, he was actually the best part of Thirty One. Uh, he he mm-hmm. played a killer clown in it, and honestly, that's what they should he they should have had him be the Joker in Suicide Squad. <sighs> Brilliant, right? Oh, because the way that he gets his clown makeup, he literally breaks his own nose in that movie, and it's like, oh, that's what they thought they were doing with the Joker. Brilliant. What? Oh, and I work in casting, <laughs> little industry insider. So I've cast some movies that I'm very very proud of. I've been a casting associate. Uh, I cast with Carmen Aiello. And there's a few people that have gotten roles that I've gone, Jordan, gosh, we feel stumped. What do you think? And we get meetings with those people. So mm-hmm. you're, you're good at what you do, my friend. I, I watch a lot of movies and have a lot of useless knowledge. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he said that, uh, so the chemist has a pet tiger named Lizzie. Yes. Apparently in the script, Lizzie was a lizard. And he gets on set and the director's like, oh, by the way, Lizzie's a tiger now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's say, let's see what else they have in here. Um, they have a lot of animated, uh, segments in this movie, which is, uh, is a reference slash tribute to the eighties animated movie, heavy metal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, there's just a few other IMDb stuff on here. I think we've actually talked about most of it. Yeah. Um, the music. So this was one of the last this scores. Is, this is this is the most important part of this movie. Yeah, this was one of the last scores that Johan Johansson did. Yes, um, and it's brilliant. It's super simple, uh, and a, a lot of it. Bore- I don't know. I disagree on the simplicity. Well, just in terms of in terms of harmonic content, because there 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 aren't a lot of like shifts. There aren't a lot of uh, like the, like it's more like the movie is set to the music as opposed to the music is scoring the movie. Uh, it's it borders on sound design in a few places, but it's perfect. It's crazy, and uh, the credits are quiet. Yeah, and I realized in that moment that there was never a quiet movie moment in the movie. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, yeah, and what that does is that allows you to sit there and reflect on all the craziness that you've seen, and it's it's perfect. It's crazy. Yeah, no, uh, the the music to this movie was. I mean, all I can do is just sit here and say good things about it, so it's going to get boring to listen what, to. Um, fair. Can you give our listeners, because we talk about music a whole lot, uh-huh. and you know what? Let's take 
five seconds for a moment of silence for Johan Johansson. Okay. Um, and Jordan, you are a huge Johansson fan. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell our listeners, um, and then we will move on to the rest of the the podcast because I know we're being super vague for Mandy, but um, like we said, this is an art house, not even horror film. It's it's got elements of horror, elements of action, and elements of David Lynchian fever dream. Yes, fever dream. Yeah. So if that's your cup of tea or you're ready for a ride, watch this film. I, I would say if you if you like grindhouse style movies, yeah. watch this film. Yes. If you like David Lynch style movies, watch this film. Yes. Uh, if you like crazy Nick Cage movies like Mom and Dad or... Uh, oh my or, gosh, even if you like National Treasure. Yeah, watch this movie. Um, but just know that you are going to be in for an experience and it is... There's... I can't even describe to you some of the visual aspects in it. No. There's There's one no. moment I will describe is where the cult leader, Jeremiah Sand, is talking to the main to the character Mandy, uh, and the camera's just on him the whole time and it's lit in like reds and purples and just crazy lighting. And they his face slowly keeps morphing into Mandy's and back. It's cr- it's wild. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. Not like that. Like I've seen elements like that before. Uh, this was done without CG too. You, if you look at it, you can tell it was all superimposed camera stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you can... It, this is a very visceral movie. But to circle back, um, tell our listeners definitively, because at this point, we're never going to hear a Johan Johansson score again. A new one. A new one. Yeah. What is it about Johan Johansson that's so revolutionary in a... MLS short paragraph. So Johan Johansson was a master of making sound design musical. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of his scores, they may not have, and he does like the really classical stuff too, like a theory of everything, for example, is a very yes. traditional classical score. Um, but a lot of his scores, especially for something like Sicario, uh, it wasn't about creating all these harmonic shifts and light motifs and themes for every character. Uh, it was about, it was about how can I make the tone of this music tell the story as opposed to the notes of the music tell the story. Um, with his solo albums too, he was constantly like writing almost tributes for failed ideas. Like he wrote a concept album based upon Fordlandia, which is uh, Henry Ford, uh, the place he wanted to create. I think in South Africa, maybe in Brazil, that was just like basically his version of like of what Walt Disney had in Orlando, Florida. You know. Yeah. Um, and then he did one that was based off of an old IBM manual. Uh, and each, like he would sample somebody reading out the manual and then all of a sudden it morphs into like this orchestral score and this electronic backing for it. But a lot of it is just based upon somebody reading this manual. So he was just a person who understood, who understood, that's Charlie. Uh, he understood what it was to be human, all the good and the bad of that, and he put that into his music and never failed to do something meaningful out of it. So that being said, 
watch Mandy. Yes. And and that. this and this one he does a perfect John Carpenter score too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So shall we move on, sir? What is the next exciting thing we'll be talking about? Uh we're gonna talk about some movies and we'll try and go through these really fast that we didn't do on the podcast, but we saw together. Now there are some movies that Jess and I saw uh saw separately we'll briefly touch on those but let's just try and go through these you know fairly fast yeah and again friendly reminder we are rating everything in stars yes so the first one is annihilation which is the movie that made us decide we should do a podcast in the first place yes because we couldn't have had more differing opinions on annihilation yeah uh i'm gonna i want to see this one again uh i'm still going to give it about four four between four and four and a half okay um, I would, I need to see this one again, uh-huh. um, because I would give it a three. Yeah. Well, and that's still a good score. I mean, like we said, a three movie it's is no, still a good movie. Well, and it's not, a, it's by no means a bad movie. I, ha, I, I don't know. I don't have any way, good way to explain this. Um, basically the, if you haven't seen Annihilation, it follows Natalie Portman, who is searching for her husband, um, who's in the military and they're searching this bubble of an unknown yeah. territory that is that is becoming like almost parasitic yeah uh without getting into too many spoilers it's basically refracting dna from everything that's inside this bubble and yeah. sh- they call it the shimmer yes and and she and a group of women are uh they're going to explore it everybody kind of has their own reasons hers is to try and find her husband well, I mean, or they're kind of on a recon team yeah and they've been they've been sending recon teams to this place forever i mean yes. like it's another one of those you have to experience. It's definitely, it has its art house moments. There are parts of Mandy that actually reminded me of Annihilation. Yeah. Especially parts where the colors got so hypnotic that you felt like you were getting high. Yeah. Um, but I just did not connect to this movie. Yeah, and I totally did. Yes. Uh, so uh, what's fun about Annihilation is, like Jordan said, it is what prompted us to go, okay, we needed to do the podcast. We had been told to do it before. Um but this is what did it because, uh, and you're welcome. You of course talk about your experience, but there were exper- There was the connection of her to her husband, and it's and with it wasn't it wasn't outright in the story of her selfishness mm-hmm. that really bugged me, and um, it I felt like this was the artsier version of Arrival, and which I connected to greatly. Right. Well, I think. Arrival, ha- both both are movies that have to deal with lost with loss. I think uh, they're two sides of the same coin. Yes. Um, with Arrival, it's definitely more of a puts it in the it puts it in the realm of well, what would you do in this situation? Uh, you know, and I'm not going to give away the ending of Arrival right now, which is also very very yes. Good. This one, it's how far are you willing to go to? to undo your mistake and try and get and try and make it right. And I took it as what well, how far you go to satisfy your own curiosity. Well, and that's definitely a part of it too. To me, but that to me that was mm-hmm. it's such a we're so divided on yeah. this movie. Yeah. I don't think we're as divided as you might think. I think that we just genuinely both took something very different from it. Yeah. I think that this movie warrants another another viewing for us. Um, I love the music for it. The music is shortlisted for an Oscar, which I think is great, and I would love to see this movie win an Oscar for music because the music is brilliant. Who was uh, the composer? Do you remember? Uh, Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury. Okay. Uh, who they did Ex Machina also for Alex Garland. Oh. Um, that's a crazy town yeah. movie. Uh, ben Salisbury is a he's got his start with uh with British TV. 
Oh, okay. Um, and Jeff Barrow was a founding member of Portishead. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, uh, but they do scores together, and they're great, and Annihilation had a great score to it. Awesome. Especially how it starts off mostly with, like, acoustic guitars, and as the movie gets weirder, it more shifts into weird soundscapes and synthetic sounds. And I would love to see um, them talk about the score, because I, I have a feeling... My instinct, and I could be completely way off base, is that they sat down and were like, how do you score this movie? Yeah. Well, if I find anything out on it, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, Avengers Infinity War. Big bone of contention for us. We're definitely more divided on this one than we are on Annihilation. I can see that. I When I when we first finished the movie, and we've talked your Everyone, this is like the running joke with Jordan and I, so we will spare you enough. We'll, we'll hit this one pretty fast. But. Yes, but I will say is it hit me really hard in the moment. Uh-huh. But then as the movie dissipated and I started thinking about it, I just felt gypped on the story. And um, I felt like the there's all these characters that, um, and Daniel said this in our interview with him on Spider-Verse, is they have all 20 movies to do all this character development. They relied on those 20 movies as opposed to giving us really solid uh, relationship work on the day. Mm-hmm. And that really bugged me. I, I can, feel it felt lazy. I can see that. Um, what would your star rating be on this? I would give it a two and a half. Gotcha. I would still give this like a three and a half, three and three quarters. Okay. Um, mostly because the fact that they that they had to fit in the mythology of eighteen movies before this, and they still told they still told. I'm gonna still hot take here. They told a complete story. Sure. Um, it it's a story that definitely sets itself up for a sequel, but like. You know, it wasn't something where I constantly had to go back and like Wikipedia what happened in previous movies. No, Um, and that's and that's fine and whatnot. mm -hmm. But this is where my I'm over it comes from. Right. So Uh, the fact that they were like, we have to do all 18 movies and and we have to make it all make sense or just like just I don't understand why we had to bring everyone and the kitchen sink in. So. I'm, I'm going to cut you off here, not because I don't value your opinion, mostly just because we have talked to this aspect of the movie I, so many times. I'm just going to continue to say what I liked about the movie, and then we can move on. Do it. I thought it was really gutsy of them to make the villain the main character, and that worked. Okay. Um, I thought Alan Silvestri's score was great on it, and I still, re- I still remember how I feel because, you know, everybody's seen it this time, spoiler alert. Uh, Thanos snaps his fingers and half of all life in the universe is wiped out. Uh, and he no- and he had to give up the only thing he actually cared about to do that, which was his adopted daughter. I don't believe Jessica doesn't can. buy that. I'm willing to accept it. I don't buy that. Where what the feeling I remember is at the very end of the movie, all the heroes are in disarray. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know if there's any way that they can fix this. And Thanos is on a farm on a planet somewhere. And Alan Silvestri just brings in like the string quartet that comes in before the rest of the orchestra does. And he sits down and he watches the sunset. And to me, that was a very poignant point in the movie that superhero movies don't usually have. Fair enough. So I thought that I thought that Avengers Infinity War tried went to set out to do a lot of things differently, and I think it mostly succeeded. I think that if we didn't know all the marketing decisions behind Marvel movies, we would have all liked the movie a lot better. Fair enough. So let's move on. 
not, again, not that I don't respect your opinion on that. You can, no, I could go on forever of why you are right, mm-hmm. but also why I am right. To- totally. I just don't want you to think that I'm just like, no, Jess, I'm just, I'm tired of your opinion on this. No, no. If I really thought that, then I would go off. We, we would for- have to stop the podcast <laughs> and come back talking like this. <laughs> uh, anyway, Solo, a Star Wars story. This is a movie I think is better than people give it credit for. I think it's better than people give it credit for. Um, I do not like the cinematography on this one. I I don't. I don't either. It's too dark, too muddy, and that seems to be that cinematographer's style. I'm just not crazy about it. Yeah, but they try to do... Who was the DP on Sicario? Uh, Roger Deakins. Okay, people are trying to be Roger Deakins. Okay, if you're going to play the Roger Deakins shoot in the dark... Because, I mean, Roger Deakins in the dark Uh is brilliant. Uh, Case in point, Blade Runner 2049 and uh, Skyfall. Uh, Case in point. Yeah. Because Roger Deakins is a master of light. Mm -hmm. If you're going to shoot in the dark or in muddiness, Mm -hmm. then you better come from the Roger Deakins School of DP because... Th- that was so solo suffered from muddiness in th- the cinematography and then also um i felt like it didn't commit to all of its lands i don't think so either i think it tried to shoehorn too many explanations in yeah and like you know we understand that han solo probably found a blaster that he liked at some point in his life we don't necessarily need to see that we don't need to see it like i just need to know things at certain times right um I think what this movie did well, the performances were good. I liked uh, I liked the guy playing Han Solo more than I thought I would. I, I yeah, I can see that. I can also because I heard people were just saying he couldn't act, he was garbage and whatnot, and I don't agree with that. But I do believe he really needed good direction, and I do believe Ron Howard saved this yes, movie. Yes, Ron Howard saved this movie. Donald Glover was great. I wanted more. Yeah, um, I loved his robot sidekick who started the droid revolution. She was great. Yeah. Um, I think this movie would have done better, A, if Disney hadn't aired all of their dirty laundry. Agreed. And B, if they would have released it now. Yeah. I think of uh, this this movie, Avengers and, I guess Disney in general, mm-hmm. makes me think of Eli Wallach from The Holiday, and he goes, he was saying about, back in my day, there would be like five pictures released, released in a week, and now there's five, or in a month, and now yeah. there's five a week, and if they don't do well on their first weekend... They're crushed. Yeah, th- basically... That was, by, by the way, a really terrible version of Eli Wallach. We'll, we'll so, just so call sorry. it a paraphrase. Um, no, that's the thing, is that they had labeled Solo a failure by the Saturday it, after it was released. Right, and I don't think it was a piece of garbage. No, I, it's, it's, not, it's not Rogue One. No, I would definitely say it's above the... I would say it's above the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it more than the prequels. I uh, agree. But yeah, I think I think that if they would have just pushed it back six months and maybe taken a little more time what, what on was it, some, the, one of the writers tweeted this. Yeah, week. one of the writers, and I do think that the script was probably the weakest part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he tweeted on Christmas Day and said, "Who knows how well Solo would have done if it was released yesterday?" And I I'm, I mean I don't disagree, and we don't. By the time a movie gets to us, we don't know what that script looked like. Right. We really don't, um, having been a part of things. I've been a part of things that the script was a couple of pages, and by the time you finish shooting it, you've got an actual script. So, right. um, 
it, it just totally depends, and I don't feel like we saw that script. No. Okay, uh, A Quiet Place. Ooh, um, I would give this a four, a four. And this one's a four for me, too. Um, I thought it was really great storytelling. Um, we recently watched Bird Box, and Bird Box reminded me a great deal of A Quiet Place. Oh, oh good. We can check this one off the list, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought Sandra Bullock was the best part of, of... Oh, well, I take that back. All the acting in a bir- uh, Bird Box was really great. Yeah, acting in Bird Box was great, and the score was great. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely head on to Netflix and see Bird Box. Yeah. But if you want to see, I think, a stronger... Um, I think a slightly stronger and more like uh, mm-hmm. on the edge of your seat version. Yeah. A Quiet Place. Yeah. A Quiet Place is definitely more of a horror movie than Bird Box was, I think. Bird Box was more thriller. Yeah. And this one's definitely a little bit more horror. Well, it's not and, a horror film. Yeah. And this one's also a little more grounded in the fact that you are following fewer characters because it all you are following this family the whole time. Yes. But I mean, you know... The fact, it's really impressive too that John Krasinski, not only was he able to write, act, and direct it, but the fact that he was able to still stay married to his wife after they starred in this movie together. Because <laughs> right. you and I both know how hard it can be sometimes to work with the spouse, you know? Yes. Uh, but they had this natural chemistry together, obviously, because they're married and they have, actually have children together. And the um, stakes in this movie are so, I mean, she has a baby with the monsters in the hallway. That scene was so great. What? A flippin' badass. Yeah. Like, really and truly. Um, yeah, A Quiet Place, I think you definitely need to see. If you, like, again, nobody's ever gonna, <coughs> excuse me, hold a gun to your head and say, watch this movie or this movie. No. But if somebody offers you the choice between A Quiet Place and Bird Box, I'd probably give Bird Box closer to a three and a quarter, three and a half. I would agree, but I think Quiet Place... Um, which I heard was also saved in the editing room. I have heard that too. Um, but who cares? It was saved and it's quite good. Yeah. I, I would just say a quiet place is slightly better. So if somebody gives you the option between the two of those, I would say choose a quiet place, but find time to watch Bird yes. Box afterwards. I will also say, um, because we are, we have made horror films and been a part of a great many of them. Um, they're both a really great study of what it means to see a monster and to not see a monster. Right. And both are valid arguments, but it just depends on the story that you're telling. Bird Box really greatly benefited from not seeing the monster mm-hmm. and a quiet place. By the time you saw the monster, which Dan Evans, uh, who we just interviewed, uh-huh. he had a brilliant play. He said, it's like seeing Jaws. Yeah. By the time you see the monsters in a quiet place, you're like... Oh my god! Yeah, because I mean, the creature design in a quiet place wasn't anything mind blowing, but no. the, but the way that they did it was great. Yes, agreed. Um, I thought it was great. Black Panther. Um, I would give it a three and a half. I'll give it three and a half, three and three quarters. Okay. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say about this. I love the fact that there is a black superhero and uh, young African Americans, boys and girls, because the women like. Oh, it was you, so awesome. I I texted Jess whenever I saw it, because we saw this one separately, uh, but I texted her and I was like, I haven't been this turned on in a superhero movie since Wonder Woman. Because <laughs> um, the, the women are just great in this movie. But I love the fact that young African-American kids can finally look up and see, oh, the... The black guys aren't villains in this Marvel movie. Agreed. And um, it also really skyrocketed some people that um, I call friends Uh um, in their work and in their careers. And I think that's extremely exciting. That's fun to be actually viscerally 
visualize and be a part of. Uh, the script was great too. The script was really great. It was too long. It was it was a little too long. Uh, um, no, too long. But uh, we even said in uh, Captain America: Civil War, we both love Chadwick Boseman. Uh, as Black Panther, um, Michael B. Jordan was a great villain, and they like th- he gave such a layered performance for such a layered way that they wrote the character. And Ryan Coogler, man, he's just become this fantastic director. Yeah, and it's it was for a superhero movie. It gave you a lot to dig into. Mm-hmm. I almost took a nap in it, though. Yeah, so, no, I get it. I so get that part. It, I, that is my, one of my biggest criticisms. My favorite story. So I saw this while I was working up in Saskatchewan, um, and I come back and I worked a charity basketball game here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I volunteered. I was volunteering and um, for the side by side clubhouse, which um, supports people with brain injuries. And a little, I was doing face painting, and a little boy. Um, he was, I was Latin American. I don't know his specific ethnicity, uh, but he comes up to me, and I was like, "So, what do you want face painted?" And he goes, "Black Panther," and he's like, "Wakanda forever." And I was just like, <laughs> first of all, this is incredible. Second of all, someone Google that because I don't know how to make a Black <laughs> Panther mask without it being offensive. But I did do it successfully, and he did walk around with like the Spider-Man version of yeah. a Black Panther mask, and he looked awesome. Um, but I will say, just kind of circling back to what you said, Jordan, the fact that this movie really changed a lot is really exciting. Yeah, and uh, there's some serious... Uh, consider. Like it's picking up some serious uh, buzz to be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. That's exciting. Yeah, um, I I am on board for Ryan Coogler in general. Yeah, uh, and Michael, I wouldn't say this is Best Picture. Um, I would love to see it get nominated just because what that means for the landscape of things, not only yeah. for like superhero movies and popcorn movies, but again, like th- again, just the fact that you know. African Americans have a larger than life superhero now. Agreed. You know, we're not allowed to go out and say Wakanda forever. And I a thousand percent There's an SNL skit about yeah, that. So I, I a thousand percent love the fact that we don't get to say that. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, sorry to bother you. Okay, so I have to I have to make this go down in some sort of ratings because I can't really remember this movie until you said Horsehead, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a logline for us? Sorry to Bother You uh, has... It's a, a guy, uh, a largely African-American cast, uh, so this guy played by Lakeith Stanfield, who's been really good in everything he's been in lately. Uh, he goes to work at a telemarketing firm and becomes successful whenever he uses his white voice, which is oh, this one, David keep, Cross. Okay, I keep getting this one confused with the people who break into the house and put all the animal masks on. Oh, you're next. That is very much a different movie. Okay, not your next. Sorry to bother you. This one... That, that would be a great title for your next, though. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this one, sorry to bother you, is on. V- it went straight to VOD. No, it was out in theaters. Oh, it was. Yeah, but it but it was again not a very wide release. Okay, so okay, now I know what we're talking about. Yeah, I went to a different movie. Yeah. Yes, this movie. I, I want to see a slasher movie called <laughs> Sorry to Bother You Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one's not a slasher film. This movie. Okay, we can't give any spoilers. No. Um, holy. 
Moses. So the the our roommate, she's like, "Oh, do you guys watch that? What did you think?" And we went, "Oh my god!" I here basically is where I am. So this is a movie that definitely had its message and wanted to say the message and got it across. Yes. Um, the white guy in me who struggles with white guilt and uh, is trying to uh, keep my privilege in check. It realizes that oh I've probably been the bad guy in this movie before and I need to I need to make sure that that's not the way it actually is. So I'm still struggling with a lot of the social stuff on here just because it lays a lot of truths on you. It lays um, a lot of truth and I will say in critique of it it was very obviously written by a first time screenwriter. Right. And it was directed by a first time director and that was abundantly clear because yeah. so in screenwriting we talk about you sometimes have to give to cut your baby. Uh-huh. You've got to you got to kill the baby. Yeah. This desperately needed some more baby killing. My <laughs> my main criticism about this movie is that it felt too long. It was too long, but also it needed some editing, and it needed not like take things away. It just needed better editing. Yeah. Um. It it felt like a really self realized student film. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I watched this movie and it was like, if this movie can get funding, I really need to step yeah. up my game. Now, because, so what I will say, it was masterful when they pulled the reveal because that genuinely terrified me. Uh, terror. Yeah. And not horror film terror, real life, like watching Vice terror. Yeah. So um, I definitely recommend seeing this movie. How are we going to rate this star wise? Um, I'll give it a three and a half. I'll give it a three and a half. And like I said, like we said, where we cut this movie, where we this movie goes down in ratings for us is just the fact that it definitely felt first time. Yeah. Uh, it needed some. It needed some script work. It needed some editing work. And it needed some. It just needed this little. It really. I, don't know. I just. I just think it need from a technical standpoint. It just needed pacing. It had some pacing issues. It had some pacing issues, and it just needed a little bit more finesse. Yeah. Next. But but it was good. Uh, that's actually. Uh, but those are actually all of the movies besides the documentaries. Let's just list the documentaries and just give star ratings and maybe one sentence a piece on. Okay. Them. Uh, Spielberg, the HBO Spielberg documentary. Uh, four and a half. Go watch it. Four and a half. I am a huge Spielberg fan. I've read a lot about him. Still learn new things about him in this documentary. Um, and it makes you appreciate certain things even more. Yeah. Uh, and, and it goes into his like family life as well and talks about especially around the Schindler's List time. Yes, and it makes it really special. Yeah. It makes his movies even more special. Yeah. Score. Ooh. This is specifically about film composers. You can find... This one's on Hulu. Um, I give it a five. I'll give this one a five, too. I think it was really well done. It was really well edited. Uh-huh. Um, I was intrigued the whole time. Yeah. I actually wished it was longer, but maybe that's just me. Um, I I could see it being longer, but I thought it was just so exquisitely done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really... Um, if, if you are always wondering what the crap Jess and Jordan are talking about when they talk about the score, take a moment... And go watch that. Yeah, this will. If you are not very, uh, if you haven't, if you never gone in too deeply with uh, film scoring and film music, uh, I definitely recommend it. And it's also palatable. It's not like you're listening to a bunch of industry jargon. No, it's very palatable. Yeah. So yeah, um, the Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. Oh, I gave it a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted more. Yeah. But that's just because he's such an incredible tale. I'll give it. I'll give it a four. I wish that. There were times where I wish they would have spent less time with uh, certain interviewers or I interviewees. Can, I can see that, but I will say that Andre the Giant, 
there's so many other resources to find even more about about him, and I'm sure there's more documentaries. Yeah, this was it took I took a point of view mm-hmm. on his life. Yeah, it wasn't the most objective documentary you've ever seen. No, but, but that's was, okay. No, and it's one of many. So, um, but as if if you don't know a whole lot about Andre the Giant, and um, this is definitely the year to revisit all your Princess Bride, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you see all of that. So, um, I would say definitely go watch it. And that's available on HBO. Yeah. Uh, also on HBO, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Oh, I gave it a five. I'll give this one a five too. I wanted, I wanted even more. It's the first Judd Apatow movie that I think I would give a five to. Right, and Judd Apatow, it just, um, I don't know, and and also I didn't realize how much modern comedy, like we wouldn't have Thirty Rock if it wasn't for Gary Shandling. We wouldn't have The Office. And yeah. We wouldn't have so many things, uh, and so if we didn't have The Office, we wouldn't have Parks and Rec. We wouldn't have some really, really influential television shows without Gary Shandling and um, his drive but also insecurity was so relatable and I hope as artists um, I actually want to watch that again and learn more even more from it yeah uh, it's definitely not a very objective documentary because Judd Apatow was definitely like he Gary Shandling was his friend and mentor period so 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 don't go into it expecting an objective view. There are definitely some places where I think that they did kind of gloss over some of the, uh, some of maybe the flaws that Shanley might have had. Yes, but you know sometimes it's okay to celebrate people too. Right. It's not like that Eagles documentary where everybody gets their fair say. You know. Oh, I hate that documentary. Yeah, I, I know. Um, but yeah, go watch that one. That's on HBO. Last documentary we're going to mention is also on HBO. Robin Williams, Welcome to My Mind. Oh. Um, I give it, like, I just like want to cry. Yeah. Um, I want to give it a four and a half. The only reason I don't give it a five is because Robin, so this definitely, it's taking a point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't put all of Robin Williams in one. I wanted them to, and that's not, this wasn't this documentary's goal. Right. No, I wish that it would have gone a little deeper. Um, Yes, for the, for a movie or for a documentary that's called Welcome to My Mind, I don't, I still don't feel like we got to learn as much about him. No, but it also is a shame because he's gone. Yeah, and this is done posthumously. So, I will say the one thing I wish they had done, and this obviously is not a spoiler, but they had talked about how his mind traveled him, but they didn't wrap up in a bow in this documentary. That, from what we understand, of course, we're not friends with Robin Williams. Um, that one of the reasons he killed himself was that he his mind was going to be giving up on him. Yeah, and he couldn't bear the idea of that. Yeah, like they talk they talk about on his last TV show how he just wasn't having a good time and it showed on camera because he was forgetting his lines, he wasn't able to keep things straight, and his yes. mind started betraying him. And they really didn't wrap it up. Yeah, they didn't put that in a bow. They let you come to that conclusion, even though they they really spelled it out. So I wish it had a, a little bit more of um of a of, of a a bookended ending. Yeah, it leaves you it leaves you wanting more, and that's not always a great thing in a documentary because sometimes you do need to wrap up what it is that you're saying. Right. Because you, yeah, you're not yeah, gonna get I'd probably give it four and a quarter. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So uh, next list. Uh, let's just gloss over these really fast. Movies that we saw uh, individually okay. that we didn't see together. Uh, I'm just gonna read mine off and just basically give quick reviews, and I'll read Go the ones it. that you told me. 
Deadpool 2, I didn't like it as much as the first one. I'd give it a three and a quarter, three and a half. Yeah. It wasn't as smart as it thought it was, and it wasn't as emotional as it thought it was, but it's still a good it's still a good watch. Yes. Just if you have to choose between the two, watch the first one. Right. And rest in peace, Joy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ready Player One, I thought it was better than people give it credit for. I didn't think it was great. It was Nostalgia the movie. Um, I would give it, uh, I'll, I'll give it three and a quarter. It was pretty good. Um, the House That Jack Built, I talked about that the other day. I have a hard time rating this one because I think it's set out to do what it wanted to do, but I can't. I still can't recommend it. Uh, watch it out of curiosity. There's a lot of... There's a lot of misogyny to get through from the main character, but it doesn't paint that as a good thing. Like it, basically, the the main character is arguing with somebody else off screen as he's telling the story, and as he's saying all these things, the guy who he's arguing with is just like, "No, you're just saying all this because it's easier for you to victimize women." So, like, it doesn't let him off the hook, but you're still going through a lot of unpleasant things. I can't truly recommend it, but if you are truly curious like I was, it's on uh, iTunes. Okay. Um, and then I saw 2001 in 70mm at the uh, Arclight in Hollywood. Um, and I can't recommend that enough. If you are ever in a place where they have a 70mm screening of 2001, go see it. Even if you've seen that movie a million times, you even if you're not a huge fan. You came back after that changed. It was... It was one of the most amazing movie-going experiences I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. You told me you had seen three of them by yourself. The first one was you went and saw a screening of Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, so fun. Um, it reminds you sometimes that old movies aren't as good as you remember them, but also this was flippin' directed by Hal Needham. And Favorite Hal Needham quote is somebody asked him about the plot. He's like, who cares about the plot? Let's crash some cars. And a- Amen, Brother Ben. <laughs> um, uh this was so it was it was just fun to watch and um it was all it was like you know we wouldn't have mad max fury road without smoking the bandit and uh, i went and saw it with my really good stunt friend ross sharphorn um definitely follow ross uh on the social medias um but it was just so fun and ross is a stunt driver like that's what he's known for and he teaches at rick siemens so to sit next to somebody who's also telling me the secrets of driving cars Uh that he knows about because he you know jordan knows these things about scoring when it comes to stunt driving, Ross knows what happened. And so that was was such a fun adventure. That's cool. To revisit that. Um, Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8. I would probably give it a three. Um, I felt it desperately needed a female director. Um, yeah, because you and Daniel were talking about that. It still had a little bit of male gaze to it, didn't it? It had a, ma- it had a lot of male gaze to it. Um, but it kind of just felt like Ocean's Eleven with women in it. But I think all the women were really great in it. Um, I saw it on um, one of my many flights this year. So I can't be like, yeah, it was. I saw all the details. I saw it on a tiny little screen on the back of someone's seat. Um, but it was really fun. And I'd actually, if it was on, or if there was a girls' night we're watching Ocean's 8, I would go. Gotcha. So you think the movie would have benefited just from a better script and a female director, basically? Yes. Uh, star rating? Um, I, would, I gave it one. Oh, you gave it three, yeah. Okay, and the last one was I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. Yes, so against my better judgment, I would give this a three. All right. Or three and a quarter. Um, this movie doesn't rewrite it. And I read an article recently, and again, this is one I saw on a flight. Once I lived on an airplane a lot. Um, and... I will say, so I read an article recently that we are more vulnerable 
when we're flying. Uh-huh. And I so I saw this in a very vulnerable state. I saw this movie heading to a really big job. And um but I really find I find what Amy Schumer does, I really like what she does. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan. Um, her stunt double Meredith Richardson had some really tremendous, wonderful things in this movie that mm-hmm. had me trying not to laugh out loud on this airplane as far as the physical comedy goes. I would also say um, I knew where this movie was going. Um, and it's sad to me that this movie is still relevant, but it's a wonderful chick flick, and I I would watch it again. Well, awesome. It's, it, I could see it becoming one of my Bridget Joneses when I well, need to pick me up. I'll watch it with you. I don't see that one being one that I would watch by myself. No, no. But, uh, yeah. Um, okay, a uh, couple of, before we get to our final segment, uh, we wanted to mention a couple of TV shows that we binged this year. Yeah. Um, we talked about this one in our Halloween episode, but Haunting of Hill House. Oh my goodness. Um, it's, if Six Feet Under were a ghost story, it was amazing. Amazing. And we talk about these two because they rival filmmaking. Yeah. And like these TV, there's so many TV shows rewriting the book. This, to me, it was kind of like the new season of Twin Peaks, not in any like thematic similarities, but in the fact that it felt like I was watching an extended movie as opposed to a TV totally. show. Totally, yes. And the cinematography in it, and the, and the script, oh. I mean, oh. and we've, talk, we, we've uh, espoused our praises of Mike Flanagan uh, before, but like I will watch anything he does now. Agreed. I'm waiting for Dr. Sleep. Uh, on Netflix, a lot of his movies are on there. Hush is one that we saw and we just both loved. It's an incredible twist on a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he did uh, he did Gerald's Game, which I haven't seen yet, but is apparently great. Yeah, well, and this is and they're all done with like the same team, like the same stunt coordinators on all of these. Yeah, so, and like know, his really... his wife is always uh, the leading lady. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, again, you can listen to other episodes and hear us talk all the praises of Mike Flanagan. Star rating on Haunting? Oh, five. Five. Uh, and then one that we finished just today, uh, what they have so far, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, Maisel. Maisel. I'm sorry. I always say it wrong. Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Um, I'm going to give this a five. I'm going to give this a five, too. Um, I can't wait for the next season. And whenever it was sweeping the Golden Globes last year, I was like, goodness gracious, why? Mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful to now know why, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, this basically, it, you know... Again, it's got some risque stuff in there, and it's definitely not a clean show. Like they no. they take advantage of the fact that they're not on cable. Yes. Um, but it's like watching Mad Men with a sense of humor. Like if you, there are things that people love watching about Mad Men, like you know the clothes and the style and the time period and everything. This has all of that, but doesn't leave you feeling depressed. It doesn't have you feeling depressed, and it's definitely not a misogynistic show. It definitely is. About powerful women who can't, or who really aren't allowed to be powerful yet. Yeah. Um. And it's, I mean, it's tugging at my heartstrings. I'm going up and down. I'm, it's wonderful. Uh, yeah. I I have complicated feelings about Alex Borstein. Yeah. Um. Like she's good in it, but I also have heard the same Alex Borstein stories that a lot of you have probably heard. Like what? I don't know if I want to say it on here. Okay, you tell me after. Yeah, um, we'll keep it our we'll keep it our podcast secret. Th- things that she has said on Mad TV. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, um, but uh, but she's good in it. Rachel Brosnahan is fantastic. Just wonderful. Yeah, um, and then you know the whole the whole cast. You know Tony Shalhoub is great. Um, I love seeing Kevin Pollak in things. Uh, 
yeah, I can't recommend the show enough. Agreed. Okay, so so we've officially recapped everything that we can recap in a reasonable amount of time for 2018. Yes. Let's talk about some movies that are coming out in 2019. There are a lot of them coming out. I just jotted down a few because it was getting late and we need to start recording this. Yes. Uh, first one coming out, I don't think either of us really want to see it, but I'm going to mention it, Hobbs and Shaw. I don't even know what that is. It is the spinoff of the Fast and the Furious movies uh, featuring The Rock and Jason Statham. Terrible news. I'm busy that weekend. Oh, yeah. Did you know that Fast and Furious is about family? (laughs) I I always thought it was about racing cars, but apparently I'm wrong because they told me it was about family many, many times. (laughs) Um, No, apparently uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock don't get along. And in The Fate of the Furious... Uh, the F8 of the Furious. Um, they apparently didn't film many of their scenes in the same place. Mm. So uh, this is, I think, what they're doing instead. Fun. Yeah. Uh, the Lion King. You know, I'm actually excited about this. I feel I really liked Beauty and the Beast, the mm-hmm. live action. Yeah. It was not flawless by any means. No. But I'm excited, and I really liked the... Reeve the John Favreau uh, Jungle Book. Yeah, John Favreau's doing this one, too. And I'm... You know, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm against my better judgment. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, they they're bringing back James Earl Jones as Mufasa. Uh, awesome. Donald Glover is the adult Simba. Love it. Um, Hans Zimmer's coming back for the score. Oh, oh, of course you have to. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing the songs or not. Um, I I would imagine based upon what he did with the Jungle Book that they're not bringing back a lot of the Elton John songs. Yeah, I'm just hoping that they take a new. I'm hoping to see something fresh. Mm-hmm. This this has been a tremendously successful and moving Broadway show. Yeah. This show is wonderful on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I hope that they take a a refreshing look at it. Uh, so the other Disney movies that are coming out in 2019, there's Dumbo, which I think Dumbo actually looks really good. It does. I am interested to see it because I don't know how to feel about it. Well, here's my thing. is So it's Tim Burton. Every time Tim Burton does something with the circus, it's great. Batman Returns, and Big Fish. And Big Fish is genuinely one of my favorite movies. I know. Um, um, I am just going to be cautious. I, I'm going to be cautious, but I'm still going to see it. Yes. Um, and then Aladdin, which I just don't know how to feel about Aladdin. I don't either. I do love the links that they have gone through to get true like casting that matters. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean not to let them off the hook too much because they went through a lot of whitewashing before the backlash caused them to oh, do that. I'm not. This is no forgiveness. Right. I'm glad that the effort has now been made. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's gonna be a CGI nightmare, which is kind of well, how I feel about Dumbo. Well, I'm fine with Dumbo with with that because of the just the nature of the story. Right. Now, I don't uh, want actual elephants. Like, are we? Don't we have enough? I was listening to Thug Kitchen this week, and we were they, they were recapping like you know the fact that you know elephants can't be um, in shows anymore, and New Jersey outlawed any circus with animals in it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't come to Jersey if you have live animals in your show. And I totally am down with that. I'm just really nervous about the movie for said reason. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 just cautious. I think out of all of them, I'm probably more excited about Dumbo. I'm most excited about Jungle Book. Um, you mean Lion King? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. goodness. We're just I'm, getting I'm not super excited about Aladdin. You know, they just had the backlash because they had the cast of Aladdin on the front of Entertainment Weekly, and Will Smith wasn't blue. 
And apparently they are going to make Will Smith blue, but it's also a Guy Ritchie movie, and Guy Ritchie is either super hit or super miss. I mean, I love his Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock Holmes. I love Snatch. I'm a rock and roller apologist, but uh, he also he also made uh, the movie with Madonna, the romantic comedy that wasn't any good. He made Revolver, which was a terrible version of all the movies that he makes, and he also made King Arthur. So I don't, again, mm. I don't know what to expect. Guy Ritchie is genuinely a crapshoot. Fair enough. Okay, so one I'm more excited about than you is Glass. Yeah. I I think if you watched Unbreakable again, you might be a little more excited I about Glass. I need to watch Unbreakable again. Yeah. Um, I think you, uh, you'll actually be out of town when Glass comes out, so I don't know if we'll get a chance to do that episode or not. Well, that might be a platonic date night for Jordan. Well, we'll see, because uh, Jordan spends most of his time in the studio, and I have to be like, oh yeah, I do have friends, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, two Marvel movies coming out that we might see this year. Uh, first of all, is the Avengers, which you have to go. On, you have to finish the Avengers series at this point. I'm gonna give me my, give them my money. It's yeah. fine. Uh, and then Captain Marvel, which I um I almost worked on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I almost worked on that. Um. So unfortunately, by the time they were, uh, it was my turn to get the call. They finished uh, primary picture, but D- damn you, efficiency. I know. Um. But I I I will go see it. Um. I hope. I hope it gives me the same... Yes, I will go see it. I'm just... I mean... I'm just trying not to have any preconceived notions. Uh, absolutely. And I love I love Brie Larson. And uh, I mean, we just talked about her recently in Room and um, the Danish girl or... No, that wasn't her. That wasn't her? No, that was... Uh, that was uh, Alicia Vikander. It was Vikander. Yeah. Oh, she's great, too. She is great. Uh, Brie Larson's great, too, though. Um, I mean, if nothing else for Room. I liked her in Kong, as well. Um, Kong, yes. Yeah. I liked her in that, too. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm down with pretty much anything that she does. Yeah. Uh, I re- we recently watched uh, Scott Pilgrim. I forgot that she was in that. She looks like such a kid there. I know. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to both of those. Uh, and on that note, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, that's next this coming year. Yeah, it was supposed to be out by now, but I think they pushed it. I'm glad that I'm I'm always for pushing it because yeah. if a movie needs more time, give it more time. And they uh, they lured Hans Zimmer back into scoring for a superhero movie. He said he was retired from it, but uh, I think he just needed a few years off. Fair enough. Um, um, I am again going to leave caution aside. I mean, you've already have many things that you you've listed off remakes and. Superhero movies. Oh yeah, and so I'm already exhausted. Well, let's move. Let's move away from that a little bit then. Okay, great. Uh, how about some horror movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the first one is It Chapter Two. The first one. Okay, first of all, you're welcome for for me going to see it with you in the first place. Right. I I when we were. I think we were out of high school. You were in college. I lent her my copy of It to read, and apparently one night she was reading it in the basement and threw it across no, the room. I wasn't in the basement. I li- I was in my apartment in Chicago. I threw it across the room more than once, and I pulled a Joey Tribbiani and I put it in the freezer multiple times. <laughs> I has never taken me so long to read a book in all of my days. So that's why my copy of It is so uh, is so mangled and worn. Now. Yes, because I've thrown it and put it in the freezer. Um, I am interested if I can get the cojones to go see it. Um, I'm sure I can. I'm a big I'm a big girl. Um, but I'm curious because they they left they left 
the most difficult for last. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do that because they took one of the most interesting characters and sidelined them in this movie. Agreed. Uh, which was Mike, who is the African-American kid. So that wasn't a great color on the movie. No. But basically, in the book, Mike was the one who was interested in the history, town history of Derry, Maine, and was always in the library. And so therefore, when they're all adults, he's the one who basically let himself stay as the lighthouse keeper. But in the last movie, they didn't have Mike do much, and they gave that to Ben Hanscom, who moves away and becomes uh, an architect. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but I'm on board because I really liked the first It. Yeah, there was moments in the first It that, to the, for someone who is so scared of that kind of clown um, and so scared of dolls, that at one point I took my hands off my face because I wasn't so scared. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. Um, but, uh, you know, but Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader are in it, so that, yes. that's going to be interesting. Um, and the, mo- the scene with him in the drain mm-hmm. haunts me. Right. To this day. Um, there's another Stephen King adaptation, uh, Pet Cemetery. <gasps> ah! oh! So everyone, we did a movie years ago, and, um... I had my Achilles tendon cut in the movie. Uh-huh. And I literally told the director, you are making my worst nightmare realized because I've never recovered from the original Pet Cemetery." <laughs> that was Sasha, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm not ever going to recover. Um, well, this one, it's directed by a directing team who did a uh, horror movie that you can find on, uh, I think on Netflix or Prime. It's called Starry Eyes. Uh, it's actually a pretty solid horror movie. Um, and it has uh, John Lithgow in it as the neighbor who lets them know about the pet cemetery. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and the last horror movie is Us, which we already teased. This is Jordan Peele's new movie. Oh, I'm so excited. They showed a preview of this when we went and saw Vice, and it looks terrifying. It looks so scary. And I feel that I don't feel I have to be reserved in my excitement for this movie because Jordan Peele has a lot to lose. Yeah. And he's 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 gained a whole lot, but he's got a lot to lose. And I think he I think he's got good momentum. I think he's a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Key and Peel and what they were able to achieve in those. And so I, I'm excited against yeah. my better judgment. Yeah, I mean, it's always against our better judgment to get excited for a movie, but we're excited for it. Oh, I'm excited. Um, let's see, and. Last two, which we both talked about actually being excited for. And I know that these are sequels. And I'm sorry that most of these are sequels and remakes and stuff. Okay. Uh, the first one is Godzilla. <gasps> oh, oh. We loved the first Godzilla. I loved it. And this is another one that I got a phone call for. And um, usually when I'm, whenever I have like a, a, a movie that I get a phone call for, I'm booked on it. Uh, this one, I didn't book the job for like for complete like contract and money reasons and I still want to see this yeah. and I tend to get like bitter some yeah sometimes I do get bitter so I'm still very excited for this um yeah like clash of the titans yeah I'm I'm excited about this one um I don't usually love giant monster movies but I did like what they did with the last Godzilla and there were moments in the last Godzilla that genuinely scared me yeah um so I'm on board and the last one is Star Wars episode 9 is that coming out? Are we going to have something to do Christmas Day? We are. Uh, so a little fun tidbit. In our home is a little dry erase board that my mother 
um, made for us. You had that growing up, didn't you? No. Oh, no? She, she did it like when I was in college. And when we got married, she gave us this little dry erase board. On this dry erase board, it says 1225 Star Wars, 3.30 p.m. And that was for uh, episode seven, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, we've never erased it. And at first it was an accident, but we've kept it all these years. And so I'm, I'm excited Again, against far better our judgment. Yeah, I mean, I liked episode eight. Uh, we had some friends in town who, uh, you know, he's a really big Star Wars fan. He was asking me my opinion on episode eight, and I told him I really liked it, but it is telling that that is the only Star Wars movie I've seen once. Yes. Um, I really want to see it again, and I think I'm gonna like it still because I like how I I like how bold it was to take the steps that it took. Agreed. And I'm on board with its characterization of Luke Skywalker. I thought Luke Skywalker had a great arc in this movie. And the design, there was like design elements that were just stunning. The salt planet. Oh, stunning. And seeing Puppet Yoda again. Yes. Yeah. So I thought episode episode eight was actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm on board for episode nine. They got J.J. Abrams back there. So like, you know... Again, every most people who I hear complain about the star, the new Star Wars movies are because they're not the movies they would have made in their heads. Uh, people complain about J.J. Abrams because he played it too safe. Then people got mad at Ryan Johnson for not playing it safe enough. So I think now they're going to go back to J.J. Abrams. It's going to be a safe bet. He's going to wrap up all the storylines and everything. And you know what? I'm cool with that. Yeah, and it'll be fun. I'm ready for my for Christmas Day to be back to normal. Right, yeah. Normally we have to like... Oh, I go on a two-week social media purge because I don't want Star Wars spoiled for me because we will not go see it until Christmas Day. Yes, uh, except for uh, Rogue One. Yeah, we did see Rogue One opening weekend and at the uh, Chinese Theater in Hollywood, and that's when we uh, had a surprise mini Q&A with the director, the star, and the cinematographer. Yes, it was... I it, it was magical. It was magic. Um, magicable. Magicable. Everybody. Yes, that one was magicable. Magicable. So, so, uh, so we've had our movies that are magicable, Widows, uh, First Man, and Vice. Do you think magicable applies for all of those? I think so. And we have There Are Thoughts for The Predator, The Nun, uh, Holmes and Watson, and maybe The Grinch. What do you think? Um, I, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was going to take Grinch out of there, but... I'm really disappointed in it. Yeah. And just getting off of the Christmas season and like our Christmas tree is, you know, about to come down and I'm like, meh. Yeah. Um, I will say um, I'm excited for the movies that aren't sequels next year. Mm-hmm. And also for our listeners, thank you so much. Um, like we weren't able to see Crazy Rich Asians and Tang, I know you listen every week and we heard you. Um it- it just didn't end up happening. It just didn't, and the, also the reason to please keep coming at us with movies that you want us to see um, and review um, because you want us you want to see if your thoughts sh- uh, share with ours, and we love that. Please don't ever hesitate to let us know. Head on over to Facebook or Instagram and, and tell us. Um, for for example, Crazy Rich Asians, we've thought that movie was so exciting because it talks about the inclusivity of filmmaking and how important it is to be seen. And we just didn't feel like we were the authorities to talk on that. Yeah, that's actually the reason we didn't do uh, Black Klansmen either. Yes. Is because that's not necessarily a story that was... It, it wasn't about us. Right. And, like, and we still really want to see Black Klansmen. We want to see Crazy Rich Asians. We're just not sure if we're going to do an episode on it because 
you know, we come to these things from a critical standpoint. And on movies like that, it's re- like I almost didn't even mention Sorry to Bother You because I was I was uncomfortable about talking about what I didn't love about it. But, you know, at the same time, we're filmmakers. We talk about it from that perspective. And especially with Crazy Rich Asians, you know, I, like Jessica just said, yeah, well, we didn't feel like we were the authority yes. on that. However, we are still consistently working on getting guest artists that come in that can come in and be authorities on the subject. So please stay on this ride with us. We have absolutely loved our first year, not full year, but first year of being your friendly neighborhood movie critics Mm -hmm. and being your husband and wife duo who really love making movies and have editing projects in the Bay right now. And just, just know that we hear you and please coming and also, if there's something that maybe is a little bit more obscure, uh, I'm going to be in Southeast Asia a lot this year, um, and I'm excited to maybe see some really, really random movies. Mm-hmm. I also am a huge uh, Bollywood fan. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's everything. Hey, we kept this like half an hour shorter than the Halloween uh, episode. Y'all, it, I mean, we talked fast. That That's about half an hour longer than we'd intended on it being, but we're here where we are. Yes, we're here. It happened. And thank you so much being for being our audience. Please do us a favor, part of your New Year's resolution. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Please leave us a review. It helps us get better. And steal your friend's phone, put the Stitcher app on there, follow us on SoundCloud, follow us on Apple Podcasts, because we definitely want to keep sharing this. We want to keep growing. Yeah. Uh yeah, I have nothing else to say beyond that. And um, Happy New Year, clink, clink, giant bo- drink of vodka. Thank you, Nick Cage. And we're out. Thanks for joining us at Date Night at the Movies. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And happy 2019, everybody. <laughs>